welcome to What If, presented by culturedesign.org. I'm your host, Kareem Mustakni, and today we have Rune Thiel with us. Rune is co-founder and CEO of Rockstart. Rockstart is one of the first uh, startup accelerators in Europe. It has invested in more than 200 startups and focused on the areas of energy, agri-food, and emerging technologies. Rune, thank you for being with us. Karim, thank you so much for the invitation. Very happy to be here. Uh, absolutely. It's been uh, quite a while since we saw us the last time. Um, but just to dive in into it directly, like how did you come up with the idea of Rockstar and what time was it back then? Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, very different times indeed, right? Um, I didn't sort of, you could say, come up with Rockstar in that sense, but I was motivated to move into the space um and found ways to get in and, uh, and and do what we do today with rockstar but it basically came from my own frustration of failing to trying to build my first technology company um when i went to university um i realized quite early on that i was much more of an entrepreneur than going into traditional businesses um, so while studying, I teamed up with two of my classmates and we started building this first uh, tech company. Um, we didn't have any experience. We didn't have any money to get going. So we basically asked uh, the university professors, like, okay, how do, how do we get support? And they advised us to go talk to one that was specialized in entrepreneurship. And the advice we got was, okay, first you build a business plan. Then you go and talk to investors and you raise money. And then you built your product and thereby your company. Now, doing it in that order um, was definitely not the best approach I know today <laughs> because we spent um, probably a year to get the business plan to a level where it was, I would say, defendable and, and strong enough. And then we spent you know, another one and a half years trying to really convince uh, someone around us to, you know, get excited about it and put money in potentially. Um, we did end up also building an MVP, but that was way too late in the process. So at the time we launched, really nobody cared about it because what we what we didn't do was we didn't talk to any customers. Um, so <laughs> with the bit of ego I had, that was a bit hurt, right? Um, being being a young aspiring entrepreneur, so um, that that was not very satisfying and I instantly started looking around and see okay how can I learn more about starting a company uh, and I found initiatives in Denmark uh, back then Venture Cup was uh, this business plan competition for students um, and that's also something we participated in with the first startup idea that we had um, but I then joined them um, in running a business plan competition in, uh, in Denmark um, but also realized that that wasn't entirely sort of what I thought entrepreneurs needed because it was sort of a very, you know, quick uh, gratification and award and you'd win some money and then you're back with yourself. But the reality was my problem was I didn't have any network or know-how. Mm. So with that in mind, um, and by the way, I also took a master's degree in entrepreneurship and innovation and got reconfirmed that university is not the way to learn entrepreneurship. That's a so, good <laughs> yeah, two, two, two years almost. I'm like, I'm reconfirming that. Um, but it, it, was, it was what was available. So I was in the process of writing my thesis. I never managed to finish it, by the way, because I went to San Francisco 
while doing that. And uh, there I saw some of the initiatives in the US and got inspired by uh, Y Combinator and, and Techstars and these kind of models. Um, and got really excited about that. So coming back to Copenhagen. Which year was to... that when you went there? uh 2009 i think 2009 okay. or 2010 i went a couple of years in a row um because simultaneously i also started another small small business closer to what i actually know i knew there was a problem um and that made me a little bit of money so i was able to work basically from from, from san francisco um and, and study and trying to write this this thesis but got much more excited about that ecosystem um, so coming back to Copenhagen, I looked for an initiative. Startup Bootcamp just got off the ground, and I was one of the first employees there. Um, but also realized that you know there were certain ways I would do it differently. So I was lucky enough to uh, to meet uh, two guys from the Netherlands, Oscar and Don, who already initiated Rockstart, and I was able to join in like really early on. Um, but they, they they kind of made the plan, and we were sort of able to go into the market altogether, uh, which we did. And uh, that that was the that was the start of Rockstar. Wow! So you immediately moved also to Amsterdam, then, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, indeed. Um, I basically met Don in uh, end of November um, online, and then I flew down in December and second of January. I was in Amsterdam, relocated. <laughs> so it was like it was this greater calling um but this was what i wanted to do that's uh, that's fantastic I, I think i remember i meet you at one of the seed camp events i believe um early on you were also there from time to time right or could definitely be i mean i was at many different events <laughs> since since we met the first time right i think we met each other at every startup event <laughs> in europe for a couple of years right that's true um but it was early days, right? So, so, so the events that were were really uh, quite significant and important for your network, right? I think. Totally. Um, totally. Yeah. Uh, uh. And it was like a small group in Europe in the beginning of the 2010s, 11s. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so um, how has the journey has been so far for you in building Rockstar from where it was to now and in, invested in over 200 companies? Yeah, I would say it's it's definitely been been challenging um, because uh, investors traditionally didn't look at really early stage startups to be a great investment opportunity. So when we started out, the comments we would get from investors is, "Well, this is charity, right? This is a nonprofit." Um, basically, someone regarded it as donating money to us. Wow. So you can imagine uh, if that's the starting point for the conversation that you know they like to see this happening because they would like to have had it when they were an aspiring entrepreneur but they're not entirely sure whether the business case make any sense mm. so that sentiment in 2011 towards the sentiment we're having today 10 years later has significantly changed but along that you know along that journey um all kind of challenges have come up right massive competition at one point everyone and uh, <laughs> Every neighbor and the dog had their own accelerator. I used to joke around, right? Because there was there was so many at one point. Mm. Um, and then, of course, the original model that we came into the market with, honestly, probably not the most sustainable model for the long term. So while basically operating that, we also had to to pivot into to a very different model that required a different skill set, different strategy, a completely different backend on operations of the company. 
So it's been awesome. It's been an incredible learning journey. Um, and I would miss it, miss it for anything. So, so it's been a fantastic journey, but it has been, it has been a bit tough to, to start from where we started. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I can only imagine that, but uh, going through that might have been even more difficult. But maybe for the audience, can you explain also like the business model of an accelerator and how you started, how it was different from then to now, like 10 years ago? Yeah, so I think the unique part, there was a couple of unique parts, right, that we, we set up, um, which was, of course, inspired from, from Techstarts and, and Y Combinator to some extent. But it was basically, number one, having a selection process or structured approach for investing where you go for this high number of, of, of applicants coming in and then you run a process where you get expertise from the market in order to select the best possible companies. That was definitely like one very strong component in this model, which meant you could do a lot, a lot more investments than any traditional VC could do because they ran a very different process. Mm. Um, on top of that, um you also have the, the the program right which is sort of the, the the main value driver for for anyone participating or getting an investment from rockstar um and yeah that's basically uh investment in kind right so you get you give up part of your company some equity against participating in this program and then you get a little bit of capital which we jokingly refer to as pizza money because you're so little you could just survive in Amsterdam six months eating pizzas and and, uh, and living together in one flat right as the founding team <laughs> which a lot actually did um, but yeah th that was the that was the value prop right and for, for the business model for us was to take a six to eight percent stake in a lot of businesses mm -hmm. and then uh, expecting like 20 30 percent of them to return capital to the investors Right. And, and um, if, are you also, or is Rockstar also investing in later stages or is it completely focused on the early stage? So with, with the new model, and maybe it's good to explain the, the old business model, which was very program focused. So every, every year would have its own little investment fund, okay. um, which we would in, where we would invest in, in, in 10 companies, up to 10 companies in every year. And then we'll go out and raise new money for the, for, for the next for the next year program right um the model we pivoted to is basically uh, a, a traditional vc fund you could say where you get a management fee to manage the fund mm. and then the investment we do is partly cash and partly uh, in kind so, so um still early states and still we do that batch approach because right. it's essentially um yeah what works for early states uh and of course the program is is the is the value Uh, that we we offer next to the capital right okay understood um and would you looking back do anything differently now oh man <laughs> <laughs> okay that's it's like no not at all it's uh, no. you know everything perfect um yeah absolutely i mean there's so many things we would do differently uh everything from, from, from strategy to operations to, you know, financial planning and lot, lots of, you know, agreements and stuff we should have, we should have done differently. I would say, um, yeah, good question on what specifically we could have done differently, but I think it's always a matter of focusing. 
And at one point, Rockstart was doing a lot of different things. When I took over as a CEO in, in 2016, we were running a community event in 18 different cities, not only in Europe, but globally. We were running a co-working space, 2,400 square meters in city center, city center Amsterdam. Right. We were co-organizing uh, impact program in Nepal and Myanmar. We were running four accelerator programs um, in the Netherlands and one accelerator program in in Bogota, which we also set up, or we were about to at the time, at least. Um, and all these activities for a small team, uh, that was it was it was hard to be great at everything. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> it was just a uh, yeah. I mean, either you either you do co-working space or you do direct investments or you do community-based events. Um, and then you can, you know, when you master one, you can branch out and do more. Right. But trying to do everything at once, mm, that that is a, that is not a good thing. <laughs> and that's also what we told our startups. So the idea that we would do it ourselves was, I think, a bit misguided. Right. But um, yeah. Okay. When everything goes up, when everything goes up, right? When everything's uh, yeah, with that momentum in the market, we have a tendency sometimes to brands out a little bit too fast. Um, so that's where this mentorship and uh, and support really helps. And if you look now at the over two hundred investments you guys have done, like um, what were like the main reasons? First of all, that the startups have failed. Like, if you would say the top three or top four reasons. Mm, yeah so if we start with the first one i think uh, achieving proper product market fit and getting that initial traction that you need to prove that the customer segment you're going after are actually really interested in the problem you're trying to solve right and they want to pay for the solution that you created right i think that's that that's again the number one i, I think i'm I'm probably like a broken record. Many, many others have said that, but it, that is the reality. Um, the second one, I think, has to do with the composition and the dynamic within the founding team. Um, unfortunately, I still see you know a lot of companies uh, where the founders haven't had a proper discussion, managed expectations in the beginning, they didn't set up the agreements uh, properly, and for that reason, they misalign early on, and they end up spending most of their energy. So uh, I'm trying to get on track. Sounds like like culture problems, broader speaking. Yeah, I think I think I think that's right. I think it's uh, the way I look at it is is you need to share values. Mm. You can have different skill sets, you can have different experience, um, but if you don't share values, then I think quite early on you will find that you'll be misaligned on certain decisions you need to make. And if it's really, really off, <laughs> it can go into like really deep conflicts. Um, trust gets broken. And if that happens, then there's almost point of no return. And if agreements are in place that doesn't allow for a leave, for example, for a founder, mm. then you have an issue. So it's, it's super important to get these difficult conversations going early on and be as candid as possible as you can with your co-founder, right? In order to uh, yeah, to get get some honesty and transparency on the team, right? So that, so that would be my second. Um, and for the third one, um, it's probably the lack of attracting uh, technical talent in the in in the business we're in, right? Where 
we're investing in multi-digital um, technology such companies or let's say software that's also part of what we what we invest in but it's broader than that um and uh finding you know the, the product and the tech uh team members you know having them part of the founding team having them early in the company that that is a challenge and a lot of companies fail uh, currently due to that not being able to attract talent oh okay understood and um looking at the successes like uh, what is probably the most successful startup coming out of rockstar and what do you think those have done differently yeah so i mean you could define success in so many ways right but uh, we, we all uh, sort of understand the monetary success right so let's let's focus on that Unfortunately, yes that's what <laughs> that is still that is still, that is still the normal the, the, you know, metrics that we compare with um or, or it would be interesting do you also look at different metrics now uh we will more and more i would say if this is on the development if we're talking a year from now we will have a, a i think a quite in-depth and sophisticated impact slash esd uh metrics uh, system for for the companies coming in where we'll measure, measure them on on one or two components um specifically within the domains that we we operate in and so the for the energy transition okay. uh for the energy fund and for the acquisition fund That's but amazing. yeah i'm happy to share of course um when we have that but for, you know for now the the success in terms of monetary value um for sure it will be 3d hubs so mm -hmm. 3d hubs we invested in in 2013 um the two guys we met them at the time they were employed already and they're message to us was okay so if you accept us into the program we'll qu quit our jobs and we'll start building this company so as you can imagine <clears throat> that's really early states um not much was already done it was basically 3d hubs also to explain the company it's a it's a marketplace that connect 3d printer owners with people who had something they wanted to 3d print nearby um the company further developed from there but that was the original pits um, and the two founders, Brian and Bram, basically came from the industry, so they had a lot of domain expertise, and they had a nice, um, say, a nice complementary skill set between product focus, strategy, uh, and sort of general management between right. them. Um, and both of them, you know, really smart guys and really able to attract talent early on. Um, and some of the things they did really, really well is they ran a really disciplined process at all times even when it was about uh you know doing something creative like rebranding or, or you know uh, uh, unlock your city campaign which is one of the first things they did but they were always super disciplined in the way they would approach things so they were i think the one company out of all the ones we invested in still today who would send all the investors and all the mentors uh, of course including rockstar and, and the team at rockstar a weekly update on how things were going. Mm. So they had this, what we did this week, what we planning to do next week, and what we need help with. Right. And if you do that, if you do that discipline um, process, right, then you have people chipping into every single item and idea and challenge. That's quite powerful. You would have people calling you up every every Friday when they receive this email, hey, have you thought about this? You talk to this person. That's 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 an easy way to activate a lot of people. Mm. Wow. 
Oh, that's uh, that's really really good. And uh, they are still um, running the company, or? Oh yeah, the most important part. They got uh, acquired by Proto Labs earlier this year okay. uh, for a full amount, um, including earnouts for three hundred and thirty million US dollars. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's a good success for for the guys and of course for all the investors. Wow, that's uh, that's uh, amazing. And they're continuing um, still working there, I guess. Yeah, now they have executive role within uh, within Proto Labs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm actually catching up with Brian, one of the founders here this afternoon. Oh, I'm looking forward to see how that's going. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and now looking into a little bit more like uh, creative, what if scenarios? And uh, I mean, you have you have experience of one decade in this building startups. Have you ever wondered? Um, if something could be differently that would have totally changed the whole game for you or for your startups, if something would be different, more money or no money at all, was there anything you thought about? Mm. Yeah, it's nice framing one decade, right? Thanks <laughs> 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 for that. No, the, you're still very young, dinosaurs. man. <laughs> dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. dinosaurs in space. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that that could have been different. I still the day to day am a bit baffled with the fact that there's so many different ways to transact, um, right? Because you you can have all kind of agreements at a really early stage where it's practically impossible to assess first and foremost the value, but also the potential, um, and the fact that you have convertible loan agreements and save agreements and equity rounds and you know, there are many different constructions. Um, simplifying that will probably make a lot of the conversations early on easier. Mm. Um, and I think it would take time towards where value is created, um, right? To, to build the, the value of the company um, yeah, by executing the strategy you have. But I do understand the complexity as well, right? It's about uh, down, downside protection um and potential upside uh, so of course uh, this is there for a reason but i think we could simplify it and i think that will also happen uh, in, in the future right okay sure. wow um that that makes a lot of sense actually um now to, to go into a little bit more crazier uh, what if scenario um imagine what if would happen like if everyone was everyone in Europe or in the world was founding startups like this is this would be like the main thing people would do if they go to university afterwards they don't get a job they would immediately found startups. Um, I hope it's not <laughs> too early in, in Lisbon for this question, but how do you think would happen if everyone was founding startups. Uh, yeah, I've been thinking about that, but more from a perspective of the capabilities that we have, right? Um, we are trained in schooling, university, et cetera, to follow, you know, some kind of discipline, disciplinary approach to the work that we do. And I think if we were all to uh, found startups, I think the drivers uh, that will motivate us will be very different. Um, and I think there, I think we'll be able to achieve a next level of individual freedom, to be honest, because I think there's a, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot to win in becoming in some way 
self-sustaining and self-employed all the time, right? Of course, there's also a lot of struggles that's not undermine that. So there's also a question of, would this be possible, right? But let's just say, what if, as you said, um, I think that's one aspect, right? We'll get more personal freedom and we, we'll get people being more driven towards their true uh, purpose and passion. Mm. Um, and we might also imagine we'll come back to like almost like a, a, a trading community because what we build is these, these big, big centralized organizations, right? Like big banks and insurance companies. Right. I mean, they, 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 are, they are connecting points, they're centralized and uh, taking all the value underneath them. But if we all rather work for ourselves, right, we will actually be able to decentralize that system again. And then we have to be really creative in how to create a community and how to ensure that the system that are now in place, that the governments are upholding, uh, will also you know, be there or, or we would have a different situation, right? Um, but that's an interesting experiment, experiment to, uh, to, to think out to the end, right? Yeah. What's, what's your thoughts on this? Do you, did you, did you think about this? Um, I think I would ask myself, first of all, also what, what you said about like what the incentives will be different, but also like if you would find a really interesting business model for yourself and you would found it and then you want to scale, but everyone is already doing their own thing. How do you scale if people are probably not willing to work for you if they have their own startups? Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean, sort of with the trading community, right? Because we will all be like looking at it from our own seller and buyer perspective. Hmm. Um, so we all have to think creatively about what we have to offer. And if we don't have anything to offer, we have to create something. Right. So, the, yeah, <laughs> it's a it's not a world where you would scale. Yes. You, you have to find comfort in the things we have, right? Yes. So and in what be... you do. So it becomes so, it becomes so integral and so important because it's basically whatever you do right now is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. You're not going to scale. You're not going to exit. You're not going to... Do, do, you, do you think people would feel stuck or would they still find ways to grow? Um, I, I, well, I, I truly believe that we as homo sapiens are, are very resourceful, right? Um, so we will find ways to, uh, to grow. Mm -hmm. um, the way I'm not sure is like how much we will be connected. Like what will be the reason to care about each other to the extent that we, we, we still do today, right? What will be the connecting uh, lines? Mm. And how do you mean that? I think right now we have a vested interest in each other, right? Because we go to the same, I mean, we know people working in different companies. Some companies are really big, right? So if you're part of those companies, you're part of like a small community and a family, and that brings us together and we have some shared values underneath that. Where if you pull all of that apart, we individually have our own strategies, values, vision, whatever for our own little project which brings it further apart, I think. Mm. But if but. you would look at the startup ecosystems, <laughs> yeah. for example, like the startup people who meet with each other, they also try to care, care about each other and give advices and connect them with certain people. Mm. Very true. But 
um, the, 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 they often become their own living entity, right? Mm. Um, every company has this very well-defined uh, culture and values. And if you become part of that, like that also shapes you as a person, right? I've seen that happening. I've seen like people coming into to startup companies or creating companies and then really living it to the extent that they become, they become part of their identity. Right. That's, that's very true. So would you say that this scenario, if you compare it with what we have right now, where you have like a smaller percentage of the um, society founding companies is the better way to go? Or would you wish that more people would still found companies? Um, I think too much of something is not good. Okay. <laughs> so, so I think we're coming from a very centralized world. I think um, also if we look at uh, agriculture, right? Like um, agribusinesses are as centralized and effective business machines as possible, right? Every inch of your land is optimized with technology and, and machinery. Um, and a world where it's slightly more decentralized and where we focus probably more on the, on the sort of organic uh, and well-being of animals and however else we, we produce, right? Um, I think that's a better output. Um, but if you only have that, the question is, can you feed the, can you feed the population? I don't know. It's a, so... so It's just to give one example, right? Where I think sometimes the more centralized you become, it the counter effect for that is someone will try to decentralize it again. Right. And I think that's also what we see now in finance, right? So, so DeFi challenging uh, the, the traditional financial institutions. People generally had it with banks, right? They're simply too powerful, they're too centralized. They don't care about the individuals anymore. Um, there's no connection between the, 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 the company and uh, the ones that actually need the services from those companies mm. uh, is all is all put in process and institutionalized um, and i think the, the 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 reason why these DeFi projects are getting so much traction is everyone's fed up with that <laughs> so that will be a, that will be a break uh, where it becomes much more decentralized wow so would you say that then it's there's always that balance that has to have happen um, uh, that between centralized and decentralized? I think it goes, it goes back and forth. Mm -hmm. I think um, it's cyclical in the way that, you know, we came from a decentralized, going to a centralized, and it will become decentralized again until the point where someone will find a better way to centralizing, and then that will happen again, and then you decentralize out. That's, that's how I imagine it will go. Okay. So um, would you say that then right now um, with the amount of people are founding startups, um, there could be still a little bit more entrepreneurs because there were always discussions we need more innovation in society or on certain countries. How, how do you see that? Or do oh, you yeah. think innovation has to come not only from the entrepreneurs but also for the people who work for the bigger companies how, how do you see that no i mean because we come from that centralized mindset right i do not think that entrepreneurship was one of the traits that was really put forward you know not at least at least not when we started like hmm. 10 12 years ago right so the idea to go and start your own company was not a popular idea 
um, and we just a decade in now, as you said. Now it's a popular idea, but I think we still have to see that growth coming through where the next generation will start companies, right? Um, there's room for a lot more initiatives and a lot more uh, smart people taking this taking this direction, no doubt. Okay, okay, understood. Um, and now also looking back from your experience on in investing 200 startups, um, in most cases when the startup is sold, it's always the founders who are in the spotlight, right? Um, But who are the other people in startups that you have seen have played a huge important role to make the company a success? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think uh, also looking at this Rockstar, where I've seen it uh, like real, real time, right? Um, from mm -hmm. the beginning to now, early, early employees are, you know, the, 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 the heart that some people put into their job early on, right? I think that's that's the driving factor of also your success. Right. And then having advisors around you who are smarter than you, more experienced um, on different topics, right? I think that's crucial. And the fact that people are willing to chip in and, and share some of their experience, um, that is essential for, for any company to, 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 to grow. And, Be successful right and um do you think they get the recognition they they deserve or do you think they could be done more you're right it's it's definitely much more like a like a like a team exercise right mm -hmm. um so that could be more recognition but i think the reason why the founders are getting all the gratitude often is because it is a bit of a it's a it's a bit of a challenging position that you have there as a, as a founding shareholder right uh, because every time something goes bad you are uh, mm -hmm. the one who has to take the consequences or you know um, solve solve the situation um, there is no one else after you right so it's not like your board is going to pick it up if you don't and it's very different Uh, from being in a, a shareholder in a company, being a, a board member, being an employee, uh, being an advisor, being whatever you are in connection to that company, you can put your hands up and say, this is not something I'm going to necessarily deal with. I mm -hmm. want to pass it on, right? Um, and then what are you passing it on to? You're passing it on to the founding team who's then expected to solve it. Right. Yeah. So it's not but, only the the spotlight that the founders are receiving, but also all the uh, challenging times. So it's also in balance, pretty much. For sure, I think I think I think it's uh, it's it's pretty equal. <laughs> if you look at if you look at the, the moment you get the, the gratitude for the work that's been put in, right, and the kind of the kind of commitment that's also expected, right, right, in terms of time, resources, and 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 just this true dedication to uh, to your company um right. that is saying no to a lot of other things in life um, that's and, and that's that's something that's important to recognize uh, for others who are looking at it and thinking well you know they they they, they are being perceived as getting all this gratitude and recognition for being successful but there were years before where uh, it felt it felt pretty tough probably to be, uh, be in that position okay Do you mean especially like um, no private 
contacts that much or no time for hobbies or what 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 do you think that is yeah i could speak for myself right i mean when we got started here i told you i got i got into <laughs> before we started this this podcast i got into kite surfing right but i only did that like three years ago before that um i remember i used to play guitar i stopped that when i started rockstar mm. i didn't have hobbies uh i didn't have many friends at one point because i was really working uh day and night i think most of my social group was also around the company right uh, people i know knew from there or, or from the directly from the company right um yeah so so and, and i think that was a little bit uh that was the result of, of being so focused on making sure that everything um also happened right mm. according to the promises we set out um because you, you you set out expectations when you start something right and then it's either you know you either have to, yeah, you have to manage them really well and execute according to those expectations right um and that requires not doing other stuff in my experience at least yeah yeah true i mean i remember like whenever i met you was probably after midnight <laughs> <laughs> and we had like pizza somewhere sure. uh so yeah i mean uh, i always saw you as someone who was working really really hard um but you still managed to to put a smile on that face pretty much or to, because like if you're not passionate about it um you're not gonna go through that right no for sure and i now, yeah sorry yeah. no go ahead and i mean now now looking forward like uh, to the next decade and uh, how do you think accelerators will will change or have to change yeah uh, i mean first and foremost we're trying to find a better wording for what we do so we now call ourselves an accelerator vc mm -hmm. um because we do a combination between uh, offering that value add and support early on and uh has that capital pathway um allowing the founder to focus on building the company while we do everything we can to bring in the network and and also co-invest in the subsequent round right so coming out of the program we will co-invest uh if they get a, a a lead investor at a certain amount right and rockstar will, will also step in um so um i think it's not about this six months, three months, one year, whatever period um, that you, you know, many accelerators set out to do. Mm. I think that's not a sufficient, good enough model for what we, what we need and what we want to, what we want to achieve with going in that early. Okay. Um, so for us, it's been, okay. We even discussed, should we have lifelong in our value proposition? Right. But we also like, okay, maybe that's a bit too early to say that we, we, we can do that, but, The ambition should be there, um, but it's much more about like having a, a, a trusted partner along that journey, right? Mm -hmm. So if we can be that one that comes in and have an honest heart-to-heart -heart discussion with the founders early on, and we know the struggles that they will meet, right. and we have that professional approach to supporting and investing, um, yeah, we we can foresee a lot of these challenges. And if you have that trust relationship early on, yeah, uh, it's much more easy to to. to to try to like convince a founding team to go slightly different direction or you know maybe add a team member to the core team or all these difficult conversations you need to have so yeah. i think the mindset is much more long term that's what you will see um and then there will be all kind of 
different model, right? Uh, depending on the state that will work for that state. Yeah. Um, yeah, Rockstar are sort of looking at, uh, yeah, founders who already built something and have a little bit of, a little bit of traction or some MVP to show for, right? Um, so that's, that's our model, but you can go even earlier than that, of course, which is also some, some sort of acceleration. I love what you said about like the long-term partnership and trust. Um, I, I think that's something we have also seen now here with uh, culture design that uh, there's a shift happening from, you know, that hierarchy structure focus on controlling to now everyone's working remote and hybrid models to dynamic and um, based on trust. Um, and I remember like having a call with a friend last year during the first lockdown. And he told me, hey, my boss is calling me every two hours to check if I'm working. And <laughs> I said, that's not like, uh, so that's probably not a sustainable model if he's checking no. on you every two hours. No. So um, we really think that trust is also you said is becoming one of the key elements in how people will collaborate and work within startups or in any other way in the future. Mm -hmm. um, have you discussed the topic of trust? I mean, I, I when I met you, Arun, you, I always felt like, okay, Arun is a totally authentic, super trustable guy. Um, you, you were the opposite of most other people that I got to know, like super nice and friendly, oh, nice. like you kind of felt like the European version of Paul Graham for me <laughs> in, in a younger version, of course, as well. Because when I met Paul Graham in New York, uh, 2013 or something, he was one of the nicest people I've ever met in that, uh, in that, uh, yeah, area because he was carefully listening. And one of the things he's usually doing when somebody approaches him with a startup idea, he, always believes that that um, idea will work and um, and will ask questions why it will work because he thinks if someone has spent so much time on an idea um, there should be something around it that it could work so the approach cool. is totally different than going in now it's not working but more like looking why it will work mm. um, and, and 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 now coming back to you like in rockstar have you discussed the topic of trust um, intentionally, or is it something that is just rooted inside you and the DNA of your team? Mm, that's, a, that's a good question. First, allow me to show appreciation for that compliment. I think was, that was quite a big one. From the characteristics. Is... I appreciate it. And, uh, and uh, allow me to return it. I think I, I love how personal you always, uh, you always are and, and how much you share, right, about your, your personal situation and there to show uh, vulnerability, right? And I think that's how we really connected early on back in the days, right? right. It's about allowing yourself to, to sometimes say some of the stuff that is not uh, going perfectly well. And um, yeah, be, 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 be honest about the fact that, you know, you're not trying to put up a facade, you're not trying to be perfect, you don't expect everyone to be perfect. Um, and I think that's where the trust relationship will start. Um, this idea about we having to be in the same room and same office to trust each other and doing what we're supposed to do, if that's sort of the, the, the idea of this boss that you mentioned about calling yeah. every two hours, I mean, that's not what it's about, right? It's going to be very slow scaling if that's your tactic. <laughs> <laughs> um, 10 on micromanaging. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
No, I mean it's it it it's about a, a, a allowing a certain uh, openness and vulnerability within your team, um, which means that, and I haven't always been the best at it, huh? because I sometimes been low on resources and and, and not uh, not not feeling at ease in certain situations and so so mm-hmm. I haven't always shared exactly what's what what things I could have done differently or open up and and ask your questions to the team like. So what do you think we could do here and here? But luckily enough, um, there's been other people in the team who's been who's been motivating me to do so. And also at times we brought in experts uh, from outside to basically like run a session with the team around around trust. Like what are the things that's going well at the company? What are the things that's not going well? And then try to like capture some of the things that you, you really want to focus on together as a team. Mm. Um, and then it's a matter of not forgetting, and that I also haven't been always the best at, but not, not forgetting to take time to actually focus on these areas, um, right. because it's very easy to get stuck in the day to day, right? There's and that, that there will always be an email you could answer or answer differently, or or person you could call and so on. Mm. But dedicating that moment uh, as a company to to focus on those relationships and those conversations, it's really difficult. <laughs> it's really yeah. tough. So I think what you are doing, um, like we, we we could we could still talk a bit about that and your experience on on uh, on working with other companies, right? But I think being that factor that's coming in and opening up that can and just like having that conversation and facilitating it, it's quite powerful. And I think that's probably the solution for many companies. Like, don't try necessarily to tackle this uh, by yourself because it's it's just really difficult also to do as a as a as a as a leadership team actually it can be difficult right yeah definitely but i think being the one who opens up that's the first crucial part right and i i think one thing that i've seen also with uh, other startups also from the validist days um there's much more talking also emotional talks between the founders uh, and more openly talking about things they feel um, do you think that's also something here in Europe that's you've seen more that people are more open to talk about it? Uh, yeah, I think you have to create the environment, right? So go back in the days when I wanted to explore other models, right? Like how we could support startups, how we could build an, uh, an ecosystem. I went to San Francisco. That was my experience there. It was so tight, uh, very connected. A community of founders who would be sharing like best practices right and, right. and, and thoughts and emotions and all that and it did very much inspire me to come back to europe and, and part of that i definitely early on wanted to bring into rockstar and have that open uh, culture mm-hmm. which i think you can create but again it needs to be facilitated you need a, a process around it you need some principles that you follow um, and put your values forward, right? If this is what you believe in, then, yeah. then you need to put it forward. But um, not everyone subscribes to that, of course, right? The investor and company relationship has not traditionally known to be like that, I would say. Right. Of, of course, the good ones <laughs> actually know that this is, this, is what, this is what it's about, in my opinion. Sorry to, uh, uh, to say like that, but I think they know it's about supporting, getting to know the founders, like really, uh, being in there as a, as a, as a, you know, as a true supporter. Yeah, absolutely. And would you say if 
I would ask um, anyone within Rockstar, like all the employees, that about the the culture DNA of Rockstar, that you will probably hear similar words or patterns or stories. I hope so. <laughs> I think uh, most most will be able to tell about our values and also mm -hmm. to some extent subscribe subscribe fully to them, right? I mean, from a, from a, this this is the company, and this is also what I I believe in. Right. I think that's a, that's that's a good starting point. And then as a company grow, yeah, I mean, you get you get slightly different shapes, right? And also right. The, the the way we do things today with with venture funds and you know having large institutional investors, of course, that also changes slightly the way you operate as a company. Of course, yeah. Um, but I, I, I still I still believe we have a pretty pretty strong culture and strong idea as individuals in Rockstar about who we are. That's beautiful. And would you say that um, also Rockstar has shaped the culture of the 200 startups you've invested in over time a bit? Um, as much as we could, I would say. <laughs> we, uh, we, we early on tried to do things that I think um, is probably perceived in certain circles as being a little bit sort of hippie, hippie-like, right? We had these right. brain trust sessions every uh, every Friday where people would talk about them, challenges in front of half of the other entrepreneurs in that program. And right. then the others sort of try to pitch in with, you know, have you, have you thought about this? Have you tried this? Or why don't we go for a walk afterwards and I can talk to you? Or, and it sometimes became very personal, right? Because we opened up for that aspect as well. Totally. Um, then we had knowledge sharing sessions where anyone could go up and like talk about certain topics that they like. And of course that's intimidating, right? But it allowed that like open communicative uh, approach to, to other people. Um, and generally like just having a lot of, a lot of social gatherings and events in the, in, in the early days, right? And yeah. still day to day, but we're very focused on it uh, at those times. And uh, the first two years, uh, we also brought the companies to the US, to, mm. to San Francisco, and uh, yeah, that was um, that was also quite a bonding experience because you stayed together in, in one or two houses for for full month, um, and I think that shaped a lot of uh, the the founders those in those programs. Yeah, wasn't it not like 2013, 2014 as well, where you went to San Francisco with the, with the with your team or yeah it was that's why i was hesitating i was thinking back it was definitely 2012 and 13 but the question is if we also did in the 14. okay okay now then 2017 i remember i met you guys in, in san francisco somewhere ah uh, nice yeah, yeah i, I think it's the <laughs> dutch embassy or something right ah yeah yeah of course yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just there for the free food. No, no, that I, was excellent. I enjoyed You're it. Always welcome uh, for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, uh, to 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 come to an end here, I think um, it was a really really interesting discussion. But also, like, I'm very fascinated and and looking forward to see like how the next decade will be shaped by by Rockstar and the impact you guys will um, do. Um, and especially what you said with the long-term partnership and the trustable partner, I think that is such a, um, I don't want to say difficult thing to do, but it's really about becoming very naked in the process to be authentic and trustable, right? 
I think yeah. everything you have done inside for the past 10 years will need to come even more outside to create that trust from the outside. So people can see, oh, wow, they really do what they say. Mm. Um, and I, I remember I had a talk with my partner. Um, she was doing a workshop somewhere in Brazil, uh, 2019, um, around culture design effort. Um, and one of the participants was uh, the owner of a pizza company. They had like different pizza stores in Sao Paulo, uh, not mm. Sao Paulo, somewhere um, else in, in Brazil. And um, he was frustrated that the ones who took over the, the other stores was like licensed business, um, that the culture was different then. Because um, he always wanted that if pizzas are left over, that um, people who cannot afford it get the pizza, for example. So um, what happened then in the per workshop was that they discussed, okay, maybe you should do it part of your contract, the whole culture. So whenever like a new partner came in to take over a new store, he had to sign that he will also continue with that kind of culture also in the other pizza stores. And that made the whole culture experience totally different because it makes it more expandable. Obviously, you will always shape it with other people coming in, um, but you can, sure. you can actually uh, scale a part of your culture DNA. And that's something I, I think is interesting when you want to do like a long-term partnership on the values that are really important for you. Um, that's a beautiful uh, example. I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, so, so I, I'm really excited for that. And uh, uh, thank you so much, Rune. Is there any last thing you want to say to all the people listening who are interested in founding a startup um, or they have a startup and don't know what to do next, uh, what your advice would be in general? Uh, yeah, so I think generally, right, um, us investing in, in a founding team this is essentially the way we look at it, right? We will mm -hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll put our effort and time, resources, money into, into a team. Um, the earlier we get to know them, um, the more conversations, the more interaction we have, um, the, the better we will, you know, we'll come to that decision together. Um, and I think that goes for, I wouldn't say all investors, but it goes for most. Um, that the earlier you get in contact and get that early relationship established, um, the better can that long-term relationship really become. So I think it's a, it's sort of a two-way uh, road, right? And responsibilities mm -hmm. on both sides. Right? So just take it as a, you know, I'm, I'm completely open to have a conversation or have someone in the team have a conversation, whoever is best to have a conversation uh, with anyone who's approaching Rockstar. And that, that's, that's why we're here, right? So we will interact and respond and, uh, and, and we love to talk and get to know people so okay. let that be said and and i can also ensure the listeners that this is not something a lot of entrepreneurs are doing uh, people in general i would say um so actually here you have an opportunity to stand out a little bit um and this is also a good thing in fundraising right um don't hesitate don't don't hold back just uh, take that first step and reach out and uh, you'll be surprised that uh, people people want to have a conversation that's that uh, that is often the case amazing Rune, thank you so much i hope you're gonna have an amazing kite surfing weekend <laughs> thanks a lot Karin. really appreciate it uh, thanks for the invitation to this uh, to this session to this podcast uh, really thank you bye-bye